We're going to pull an audible this morning. Would you stand and turn to page 49 with us this morning? Page number 49. Let's all sing that out together this morning. Such a great song to begin our service. All four verses this morning. We will glorify the King of Kings. We will glorify the King of Kings. We will glorify the Lamb. We will glorify the Lord of Lords, who is the great I Am. Lord Jehovah reigns in majesty. We will bow before His throne. We will worship Him in righteousness. We will worship Him alone. He is Lord of heaven, Lord of earth. He is Lord of all who live. He is Lord above the universe. All praise to Him we give. Hallelujah to the King of kings. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lord of lords. Who is the great I am? Amen. Let's turn to page number five now. Page number five this morning. <clears throat> we'll sing all verses. Oh, worship the King. He is worthy of our worship this morning. Sing it out on that first verse. Oh, worship the King of glorious above and grateful. It's good to be in God's house this morning, amen, and we serve a faithful God, and He sure deserves our praise and our adoration this morning. Sure glad uh, you are here, and uh, good to be in the Lord's house, amen, and we had the annual men's bacon and bullets uh, yesterday, and everybody survived, 
And so we are uh, in the Lord's house this morning. Did want to mention this, ladies, don't forget about the ladies meeting this coming Tuesday night. Uh, that'll be at 7 o'clock, and I take it that's going to be over in the E.J. Watson uh, Gymnasium, or uh, not in the Fellowship Hall, And uh, because we've got a little demo work uh, going there. But uh, ladies, want to encourage you to be there for that. And then, of course, uh, we've got our youth rally coming up uh, Friday, March the 17th. And so there's some sign-up sheets in the outer foyer. If anybody can help us out with things like chips and drinks and, and stuff like that, we would sure appreciate uh, that. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, this morning. I'm going to ask Brother Jim Wisdom if you would open us in a word of prayer. Did a great job yesterday with our men's uh, devotion in the Golden Corral restaurant. And I don't know what kind of music was playing in the background, but it all went good. Amen. And so, Brother Wisdom, why don't you pray for us, brother? Let's turn to page number 50 now. Page number 50. Praise Him, praise Him. We'll sing all three verses this morning. Page number 50. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Sing, O earth, His wonderful love proclaim. Hail Him, hail Him, highest archangels in glory, strength and honor. Give to his holy name Like a shepherd Jesus will guard his children In his arms He carries them all day long Praise him, praise him Tell of his excellent greatness Praise him, praise him Ever in joyful song Praise him, praise him Jesus, our blessed Redeemer, for our sins he suffered and bled and died. He, our rock, our hope of eternal salvation. Hail him, hail him, Jesus the crucified. Sound his praises, Jesus who bore our sorrows, love unfounded wonderful deep and strong praise him praise him tell of his excellent greatness praise him praise him ever in joyful song let's get around shake hands together this morning instruments are going to continue to play we're thankful for those of you visiting here today we're glad you chose to be here this morning
page number 50 if you need that blessed verse. Page number 50, we'll sing that out. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Sing it on the last. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Heavenly portals loud with hosannas ring. Jesus, Savior, reigneth forever and ever. Crown him, crown him, prophet and priest and king. Christ is coming over the world victorious. Power and glory unto the Lord belong. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. Amen. Brother Tim. As the men come for the offering, I would like to read to you from Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. He says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Brother Whitney, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated.
Thank you so much. Let's stand for our last song together this morning, page 433. <clears throat> page 433. If you can say it as well with your soul, say amen this morning. Praise the Lord. Page 433. Let's lift it up on that first verse. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say,
is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Somebody say amen this morning. Praise the Lord. Wonderful singing. You may be seated. Just before the message this morning, we have a special for Mrs. Watson and Mrs. Quinlan this morning. Boy, we sure would be in a mess without our Savior, no doubt about it. Well, sure thankful to be home this morning, and uh, even though it is a little cooler than Tampa, amen, 
but I do. I'm, I'm so thankful. And, uh, man, what a privilege to pastor Faith Baptist Church. And, uh, and uh, just good to be in the Lord's house uh, this morning. And <clears throat> have been gone for a couple of weeks. And, of course, last week was the, the GIBF meeting, the preacher's meeting there. And so I've got a lot to preach on this morning. So. And I uh, do want to be mindful, certainly, of the time. Some of you are already in panic mode right now. Amen. So let's all stand in, in honor of God's Word, if you're able to stand. And, of course, we have been going through the book of Romans in, in chapter number 8. Uh, we've been in there for quite some time. And, and I'll try to take some time to bring you up to speed. I actually got quite a bit to bring you up to speed, so I won't do that while you're standing uh, this morning. But if I let you sit down, you can't go to sleep while I'm bringing you up to speed, okay? But Romans in chapter number 8, we're actually going to kind of dive right into the middle of this chapter. So it is worthy of us to kind of see the context here. But this is what, I just right off the bat, we're hit with basically the idea here of the subject that we're going to look at this morning. But in Romans chapter 8, look at verse number 14. It says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again, to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It says, for the, earnest of, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willing, but by reason of him who hath sub, uh, subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into, glory, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Aren't you glad for that? Not going to be stuck in this flesh forever. Amen. Uh, we're going to be able to spend eternity with Him. Notice it says here in verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And boy, that's true, isn't it? And so notice that not only they... But ourselves also, in verse 23, for we have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of the body. Heard some of you groaning when you came in this morning. Oh, there's a front coming through, preacher. Groaning along. But one day you ain't going to have to groan no more. Glory, hallelujah. <laughs> You didn't think that was... You see, I'm telling you, it's in there. Look at verse number 24. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that, we see not. Well, then do we with patience wait for it. We're going to stop right there, but I just want to bring you back up to verse number 15. It says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But we have received the spirit of adoption. So what we're going to look at this morning, this spirit of adoption. Father, would you bless the preaching now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the promises of your word. 
And God, speak to us this morning, challenge us to be the children of God that we're supposed to be. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning you may be seated. While you're being seated, I'm going to turn this fan. Brother Ben Quinlan, he must have adjusted it. Got that big beard. He's sweating a lot. Amen. So I do appreciate those men that filled the pulpit and uh, did a great job. But it's good to be back home. Amen. If you remember from our studies through the book of Romans, and again, I, I realize not everybody was here for all of those, but really as you begin to look at the book in its entirety, you begin to see how it's broken up. And the way that I would break it up is to say to you that chapters 1 through 4 really deal with what I believe to be the doctrine of salvation. Paul really lays it out, begins to conclude, even many of us would know this in our studies from Romans 3.23, for, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and, but then he also begins to lay out the only way that man can be saved and forgiven of that sin, and, and that's through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, and that man, man must humble himself and receive this salvation by faith. Man, man is not justified through his own works. All right? that, that's, why, that, that's why chapter 5 begins with, therefore, being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so man is justified. Man, man is forgiven by faith in Jesus Christ. But then, following that verse in, in chapter number 5, the subject then begins to shift from what I would say would be the doctrine of salvation to the doctrine of sanctification. All right, now again, I realize probably not all of us walk around using this terminology, but all sanctification means is this, to be separated from the world and unto God. Okay, that's all that is. And yes, it is a Bible doctrine. All right, and it's a Bible truth because here's the idea. It is the intention that God's people, after being saved, all right, after being redeemed and forgiven and justified, that we would begin to live for the one who justified us and saved us. All right, so, so that, that's the idea. Now, again, the reason that I want to bring all of this up is because I believe that when you and I get into chapter 8, okay, it's really the conclusion, the conclusive chapter on this subject of sanctification. You see, Paul, Paul has been dealing with both the Gentile believers and, and the Jewish believers, they, they've received Christ, but some of them have turned back to their old way of life. If you were a Gentile believer, then you turned back to immorality and idolatry. If you were, if you were a Jewish believer, then you begin to turn back uh, to the law. And, and, and so it's the idea of this, that one, one group turned back to sin, the other group turned back to a dead religion. And so Paul is addressing this because that's not what's meant to take place in your life. If you've been saved, God wants you to come out of that and begin to follow Jesus Christ in your life. Please catch this. It's not a phase you go through. It's a new life that you live unto Him until He comes or He calls us home. That, that's the idea. And so Paul's kind of been dealing with, with all of these things and, and showing these things, making some things very clear. I would say to you, he's made things like this very clear, that when you turn back to the old life, things are not going to go the way that you think they will. In fact, why it makes it very clear to the Gentile believers that the wages of sin, it's, it's, not, 
It's not more grace, it's death. And be fact, to the Jewish, to the Jewish believers, listen, more law is not going to bring you life. More law is also going to lead to death because more law just makes more sin clear. And the wages of sin is death. Friend, if you want life and you want life more abundant, then the answer to that is that if you've been saved, to surrender and submit yourself and to begin to follow Jesus Christ in your life, that's where the abundant life is at. And he begins to also say this. He's, and, and by the way, he brings this up. He said, and basically it's like this, that if you are right there and, and you're not, and, and you've gone back to the old life, and he said, if you do turn back into Christ, then you need to know this according to Romans 8 and chapter verse, or verse number 1. He says this, there, therefore is no, there, there is therefore no condemnation. In other words, in, in other words, if you're, you're here and you're not living like you're supposed to be, you can turn back into God. And here's what he says. You can be forgiven. And you can be, you can be restored. And the idea is this. Please catch this. Don't let the devil use the guilt of your past to keep you from turning and living unto Christ, which is what God wants from your life. There's, there is, therefore, no condemnation. And so turn from those things and live on, unto Christ. And, and be a fact, here's what we saw the last time that we were here. Look down into verse number 12. He says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if we through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So here's what he's saying right here. He's saying also this, we're debtors to live unto God. Folks, you understand the same spirit that converted us unto Christ. It brought Christ back from the dead. It's going to bring us back from the dead. So you understand, listen, we've got this spirit of God dwelling within us. And, and we, are, we are debtors to submit ourselves to the spirit of God and to live unto Jesus Christ. And, and, and so he, Paul has been dealing with all of these things. But in our text this morning, Paul deals with, if I could say it like this, another aspect to show us our need to be sanctified and separated unto God in our daily lives. The spirit that we have received in salvation, it is not a spirit of fear. And it's not a spirit of bondage. Rather, it's the spirit of adoption. You know what that means? That means this. We've been made children of God. And so the application is this, is that if you've been saved and you've been made a child of God, then you ought to act like it. Yeah. You ever heard, had your mom or daddy t- say this to you? Boy, you better straighten up. Some of you hadn't, and you need it. I mean, I just listen. I, you know, that, that was said to me quite often. Still gets said to me quite often. Amen. <laughs> Some of you are like, I could believe that. I could. It's a wonder we didn't, you know, shout amen. Revival broke out right there. Amen. You know what they're saying when they say that? They're, they're saying this. That there's an expectation that, you, that if you are my child, you're going to act like it. You, you understand? No, no, no. You, you have the responsibility to represent me as a parent or our family, your, your, the name that, you, that you've been given. And what I'm trying to say to you is this, is that I believe that's exactly the intention of our text this morning, the idea is to say this, in Romans chapter 8, listen, if you're a child of God, you've been adopted into the family of God. And so because of that, there is an expectation that you and I would represent Him in the proper way. And you say, preacher, well, how do I do do that? Well, it's simply by submitting ourselves 
to the Spirit who has brought us into God's family in the first place. And, and that's the idea here. I, I just let, let me just give you kind of an illustration here to kind of j- just kind of get this point across to you. I remember when I was in when I was at Berean Baptist Church, and I was the youth director on staff there in, in Springfield, Missouri, and the St. Louis uh, Cardinals at the time decided to put their Double A minor league team in, in Springfield. They built the Hammonds Field there, and so they uh, brought in the the Cardinals Double A team. They called them the Springfield. Uh, Cardinals and and so I listen. I I grew up in the Panhandle of Florida, and we didn't really have any major baseball teams. The closest to us was the Braves, and so I grew up rooting for the Braves, and that was back in the Dale Murphy days, and we didn't have much to root for. And then they got pitchers like Tom Glavin and John Smoltz, and we still could only win one World Series. And and so you you know so when we moved to Springfield and. Everybody was cheering for the Cardinals, and they brought their double-A team in. I, I just thought, man, that's cool, and let's kind of cheer for the Cardinals then. They can actually win a World Series. And don't, don't listen, don't have, let's not have a mutiny here in Kansas City Royals, all right? All right, because I do cheer for the Royals now, but I don't know why we'd get upset about that because they ain't given us much to cheer for here lately. So, But uh, let, don't, don't bring that up, right? I, re, I, I remember this, though, when I became the pastor of Bible Baptist in 2008, in Cassville, Missouri, right around that same time, there was a Cardinals player by the name of Rick Ankiel. And the big news surrounding him was this, is that at one time, he was a left-handed pitcher for the Cardinals. But he, but he was struggling with his accuracy, so he was sitting down to the minors. And in fact, he even played some in, in Springfield, Missouri. But what was unique about Rick Ankiel was this, because he struggled with his accuracy. He said this, I, I want to still play baseball. And so he switched to playing center fielder. And that's, listen, I, I'm just telling you, that, that was pretty awesome. I mean, that's a pretty drastic change. And, and eventually, this is what was unique about it, was that eventually he was called back up to play center field for the St. Louis Cardinals, and I thought that was pretty awesome. Now, here's what I know, all right? And I played baseball uh, when I was in high school. I didn't pitch, but I did play outfield. But I do know this, all right, that between the two positions of pitcher in center fielder, there is a drastic difference in responsibilities. Is anybody getting this? You understand, it's, it's a pop fly in the infield is far different than a pop fly hit in the deep outfield. It's different. I, I'm just, listen, you, and throwing, throwing the home plate from the pitcher's mound is a little different than throwing from center field. Is anybody getting, and here's what else I know now. I want you to think about this. In the National League, you have... You, you don't have designated hitters like those babies in the American League. And, and when you're a pitcher in the National League, there's not really an expectation that you have to hit the ball well. That's why they're usually eighth or ninth in the batting order. But if you're a center fielder, you better be able to hit the ball. I mean, you better be able to get base hits, and you better be able to get... Home runs. You might get what I'm saying, and and I and I did like the fact that he did do well in center field. Hit 47 home runs in two seasons for the Cardinals. That's pretty impressive for a left-handed pitcher. I like that. I'm left-handed, man. I... What I'm trying to illustrate to you is this: is that's exactly that his that his change in position illustrates our text. Listen, as a child of God, your position has now changed. If you're saved, listen to this. If you're saved. Your position has now changed. You are no longer a child of the devil. You're a child of the king. 
No, 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 no. Don't well not preacher. I was never a child of the devil. Don't get mad at me. That's what Jesus said to the Pharisees in John chapter 8 when he said this, you're your father the devil. And you mark it down, friend. Before you and I got saved, that's exactly who we were. That's who we belonged to. We went according to the prince of the power of the air in the course of this world. And we did the things that the devil has in this world. But once we got saved, our position is changed. And we're a child of the king. And that position never changes. Once you are a child adopted into the family of God, that does not change. And you don't believe that? Read the end of chapter 8 and I think you'll figure it out. But you've got to grab a hold of this. That is what's called positional sanctification. That means this, that in the Scriptures, that at the moment that you and I called upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that we immediately were moved away from being a child of the devil, and we were adopted and brought into the family of God as a child of God. That's positional sanctification. All right, now here's what I know. I got saved at the age of 20, and I'm 40 now. All right? (laughs) And when I got saved, spiritually, boom, my position changed. I was adopted into the family of God. But practically speaking, I needed to grow. And I needed to turn loose from this world. Is everybody catching this? I I, I needed to let go of the worldly music. I, I needed to let go of the worldly dress. I needed to let go of the worldly talk. I needed to let go of that stuff. And I needed to begin to grow And separate unto God and be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Everybody catching this? Now, I'll never be over here until (laughs) He comes for me or He calls me home. Is everybody catching that? But until then, I'm supposed to be growing in my faith and and sanctifying and separating from this world and walking with the Lord Jesus Christ and Him changing me and molding me. Is everybody catching this? That's the idea of what's called practical sanctification. And that's what, you, that's what he's dealing with here. That you're a child of the king. Listen, your position has already changed. You've been adopted into the family of God. And then he begins to go down through here and he gives, begins to give us some things that encourage us, encourage us in our practical daily lives to separate from this world and to begin to live for the one that's bought us with a price and made us a child of the king. Look, look at what he says here. Let me, let me just give you some things here, all right? Look at verses 14 and 15. Let's... Let's look at this together. This, this is what I would call, this is what I would call the adoption process. All right, look at verse 14. He says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Did you, did you know this? That every adoption has a process, whether that be a physical one. Or as we're looking at here, a spiritual one. Even during the Roman or during the days, during the Roman days, you didn't just walk up to any child and and decide to take them into your home, give them your last name. No, there was a legal process that you went through. You went through the proper channels and authorities so that the adoption was legit. And it's the same way in the in God's adoption process. I have often said this. I am uh, 
I'm thankful God called me and my family to Faith Baptist Church when he did. And the reason that I say that is because I've had the privilege to get to know so many dear saints that really he's, he's called home to glory in the last several years. And I, I certainly think about Pastor E.J. Watson and um, your brother and sister uh, Quinlan, Howard and Eleanor Quinlan, Miss Elda Fott, still, would still love to have her praying for me, amen. And, uh, and I listen, and I could mention a lot of loved ones and, and folks that many of you uh, would recognize their names or you, they were your parents or grandparents or something like that. And I'm thinking, but something else that I'm grateful for is that we got to be here when Eric and Philly Watson adopted their kids. And that was a real uh, blessing. I have in my office, I have a little uh, board in my office, and you can look at it. It's right behind my desk. It's called my blessing board. And I have up there, you know, pictures of people. I got Jack and Lizzie's uh, wedding invitation up there and, and uh, just different people that, you know, been saved or God done a work. Some people that are already gone to heaven. And I got a picture of Natalie's grandpa. He was my pastor when I got saved, and he was preaching on the roof. Because they had to make a certain number one day in their services, and he promised if we hit the number, we would preach on the roof. And I said, I'm never not, I've seen our roof, and I'm not making that promise. <laughs> Amen. I might do the one out there, but not that one, son. I'm telling you. That's, listen, it, you might be looking for another pastor when I roll off the end of that thing, you know. But the other one is the invitation that I have to finalize their adoption. And I, I love this. It says, we have, found, we have found our missing pieces. And that was precious. March 12, 2000. And 18, and we got to be there in the courtroom uh, with the same judge that had been with those kids through the whole process. And they, uh, I don't know that they asked Philly. I think, Eric, they, they, they uh, drilled him pretty good, asked him a bunch of questions. Oh, was it you? So you got all the questions, huh? How did you get out of that? Anyways, uh, but I know that they asked him a bunch of questions. But I remember this. I remember the gavel banging and that now they're stuck with those kids forever. And some of them are like, eh, I, I love it. I think it's awesome. I really do. I'm so grateful. I, I am. I, but here's the point. They couldn't just take those kids and give them their last name and keep them in their home and that'd be good enough. That's called kidnapping. Okay? No, there, there has to be a process where you go through the proper authorities. And, and folks, it's no different in the spiritual realm. In order to be adopted as a child of God, you've got to receive the spirit of adoption. And don't, and no, 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 and, and please don't panic on this because we saw in the previous verses in the last message that this, this obviously this doesn't happen through some work. It happens, it happens by faith. It happens at the moment that we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Please, please don't misunderstand that when I say the word process, I'm not talking about something that's drawn out over several days or hours or weeks. I'm just simply saying this, that it's the idea that you and I come through the cha proper channel of authorities to be made, the child, uh, made a child of God, and that authority is God, that we would come God's way in order to be adopted and to be a part of the family of God. You've got to come God's way. And here's what God says in 1 John 5, 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. You know what that means? That means at the moment that you put your faith and trust in God, it is the Spirit of God that indwells you and makes you a child of the King. At the very moment, it is the Spirit that convicts us of our sin. It is the Spirit that convinces us of the truth. 
that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And when we bow our heart in humility and call upon Him by faith, it's the Spirit that converts us into the child of God. Well, how does He do that? We're adopted. Look, look at John chapter 1 in your Bibles. Just hold your place there in Romans chapter 8. And look at John chapter 1. Let me show you a little uh, precious passage of Scripture there. John chapter number 1. And I got it in my notes here. But I want you to see this, John chapter 1. Look at verse number 11. Many of us know this. He came into his own, talking about the Jews, and his own received him not. But look at this. It says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become what? The sons of God. Okay, but now watch this. Now, now watch. Here's how. You watching? This is the Bible. This isn't religion. This is Bible. Biblical truth. Even to them that believe on his name. Okay? Now watch. Which were born. Not of blood, nor the will of the Father, or I'm sorry, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but they were born of God. It's kind of like that conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Hey, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again, born of what? Born from above, born of the Spirit. Is anybody catching this? Notice these things here. He says, he says, which were born, not of blood. Well, what does that mean? Well, that's talking about the Jews who relied on their heritage and their genealogy. But it doesn't matter who you came from. You can be safe, Jew or Gentile. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who you are. American, Australian, English, Scott, whatever the case may be, you can be saved. It doesn't matter. Not of blood, nor the will of flesh. What does that mean? Good works. The Jews had their law. We have people today, well, you know, I just turned over this new leaf in life. Well, that's great, but the leaf on the other side is still dirty. You need to be saved. Friend, now listen, there, there's no big scales in heaven weighing your good works with your bad, because if that be the case, we're all in trouble. No, that's, that's not how it is. Well, not of the will of man, but because here's the thing. There are New Testament works in religion like baptisms and confirmations and membership and communions. And listen to this. None of those things can change your spiritual condition or position with God. You must be born into the family of God. And that only happens when you and I bow the heart and we call upon Christ and the Spirit of God indwells us and we're born of the Spirit into the family of God. That's how that happens. There's no sense, and here's the thing, there is no sense being concerned with the practical changes that need to take place in your life until this change happens. Because otherwise all you're doing is being an imposter. But praise God, you don't have to walk out today not knowing where you're going for all eternity. You can be saved. You can be brought into the family of God, friend. And I'm telling you, listen, but here's the thing. If you're going to be a child of God, then you're going to have to come God's way. And here's what God said. It is by faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's what God said. That's what God said. Now, let me give you the second thing here because it gets gooder. There's the, there's the adoption privilege. Look at verse 15. And let's notice 15 and 16 together. He says, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry abba father 
The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You, you see the contrast here. We, we've not received this spirit of ado- bondage, rather, but, but of adoption. In other words, we're not servants and slaves. We're the children of God. No, 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 no because, because here's the thing. And it's this that should motivate us to serve God and to live for Him because of the capacity in which we belong to Him. And as sons and daughters of God who've been adopted unto Him, there are privileges that come with that. Do you ever, I, I'm telling you, if you don't, listen, if you don't get anything this morning, you've got to catch how precious this illustration of adoption is. Because, and I, I want you to think about this. And I, <laughs> it's some stuff that's, that's really, it's, it's kind of funny to think about, but it has a tremendous amount of spiritual truth to it. Did you, did you know this? Adopted children are chosen. If you have biological children, you're just stuck with them. And some of you are like, oh, yeah, that's, I don't, that's not funny. Pray for me, preacher. Pray. But parents who adopt have a choice in the matter. And by the way, the children do too. But listen to this. And what a thought that God loves us and wants us to be His. And don't you, no, 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 no. And don't you come to me with this Calvinist garbage. No, 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 no. See, you understand God chose us before the foundation of the world, meaning this, He chose to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us so that we could be His. And the expectation is this, is that God loves us and sent His Son to die for us, that whosoever, meaning this, that He wants any and all to choose Him and come to Him in salvation and to be made His child. Son, what a blessing that is to understand and know that God loves me that He died for me, that He wants me to belong to Him. And son, he, want, he loves you, and He wants you to belong to Him. What a blessing that is. How encouraging is that? But here's something else. Once a child is adopted, those parents can no longer disinherit that child. Do you know that? Now, you can get rid of your biological children. Praise God for that. I mean, I'll just... Amen. My kids better be paying attention to this. We can get rid of you. I don't know where, I got one in here. I think the other one, all right. They're pretty good kids. We'll keep them for now. But I'm telling you right now, if that boy keeps eating the way he does. <laughs> oh, I, you know and I know I'm just teasing, all right? Don't walk out of here and go, I can't believe the preacher wants to get rid of it. I do, I have a preacher friend of mine, though, that adopted a girl And he said this, he gave personal testimony of this. He said, I stood before the judge, and he he and his wife were awarded custody of their their daughter, and the judge told him, said, that from this point on, that child will belong to them. And it was against state law to disinherit her. And I can remember Brother Eric and I talking about this the other day, and they said the exact same thing to them. But listen, isn't isn't that, again, come on, this is an illustration here. Isn't that a great thought as being a child of God? That once you are a child of God, you will always be a child of God. (laughs) And that can never change. You are born into His family and you will always be in His family. And and, And here's the other thing. Once you are in that family, you have all the rights and privileges as His biological son who'd be Jesus Christ. 
And, and, and you understand, that should encourage us and incline us. Man, I want to be a better child of God. I remember we had a little fan, we had a precious little young couple at our church in, in Cassville, Brandon and Carlin Lakey. And when we got there, they had, adopt, they had already adopted one little boy, and they were in the process of adopting uh, their second son, and he was from Florida. They got him from Orlando, Florida. So as he was, you know, go, growing up in the church, I was trying to encourage him to cheer for the Florida Gators. You know, I was like, hey, man, you, we're Florida guys, man. You got to. But little Reese, man, their, their oldest son, he, he was from Kansas City. So I, I don't you know, bless his heart. No. And I'll never forget, Reese had a dry sense of humor. And I'll never forget one day I was walking in the church and I said, hey, Bubba. Because I you know, just say that to all the boys. And he looked at me and he said, my name's not Bubba. My name's Reese Harvey Lakey. And he just walked off. And I went, oh, all right, Reese Harvey Lakey. Just dry sense. You know, I don't, I don't know if he ever knew what his other name was. But he knew what his new name was. And you know what he was saying was, I, I belong to them. And he has every right and privilege as a biological child being adopted into their family. And it's the same way. It's the same way with us. Look, look at what he says here. I want you to see this. Let me point some stuff. I thought this was really neat. Look, look at it. Y'all okay? It's, I know it's noon, but we still got time, don't we? All right, because I got a lot of notes. This is really good. Look, look at verse number 15. He says, For ye have not received the spirit, again, the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Do you know this? That as a child of God, you've got access to the Father? And I love that. And, and I have for so long looked at this and thought, man, Abba, Father. Why does it say Abba, Father? Because really, if you look at Abba, it just simply means Father. But here's the thing. It's the Chaldean language for Father. So why, 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 the, why the Father in two different languages? And here's why. Because he's dealing with two different people groups. He's dealing with the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. And you know what he's saying? He's saying this. Doesn't matter if you're a Jewish believer or a Gentile believer. You both have the same access to the God of heaven and earth. And what I'm saying to you is this. Is that it doesn't matter if you're the pastor or the person sitting in the pew. You be a child of God. You got access to God. We believe in the priesthood of the believer, friend. You don't have to go talk to a knothead through a knothole. You can go directly, boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And you think about Jesus Christ during His earthly ministry and how oftentimes He would slip away and go and talk to the Father to get strength and grace for the day ahead. Or when the agony of the cross was upon Him, he looked to the Father for grace and strength. And what I'm saying to you is that when we're going through the things we're going through, we've got access to God. And we can depend on the same grace and the same strength as He got. Our problem is we just don't pray. I don't want this to be a whole message about prayer, but I'm just simply saying to you, man, God's people are faint and depressed and down in the dumps, and here's why, because we don't pray. Preacher, can you pray for this? Well, sure, I'll pray, but you can pray too, honey. And I'm all for praying, but you need to be praying too. We can walk with God and bank on God. Somebody say amen. And here's the other thing. Look, look at the next verse here. In this spirit of adoption. Look at verse 16. It says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit 
that we are the children of God. See, we can also have assurance. What a great verse. Did you, did you know this? this and, I, and I realize this is a very well-known verse in, the, in dealing with doubts. But you need to understand this. It is not God's intention for you and me to walk through this life wondering whether or not we're saved and belong to Him or not. Friend, you can read 1 John chapter 5, but we, that we may know that we have eternal life. You understand? It's God's intention that we would know, friend. That's why His Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. But I do just want to touch on this because, because I know this. I know that my wife and I have dealt with this subject of doubting in our own lives and even counseling in others. And here's, here's what I can tell you about doubting when it comes to doubting your salvation. If, if it continues to happen over a long span of time, as in years there is something spiritually wrong here. There's something seriously wrong. And I, and I say this because, that's again, that's not what God intends for His children. It may be this. It may be that God's really convicting you that you need to truly be saved. And may, maybe you're here this morning and you put your faith in some prayer that you said. Well, it's not the words that save you. It's the one you're supposed to be praying to. That's who saved you. Maybe, maybe it is that when you, when you say that you got saved, you didn't really, you were just being flippant about it, didn't mean business with God. Well, my friend, you need to mean business with God. It's got to come from the heart and from the soul of man that we would cry out to God in, in salvation. And please understand that I'm not trying to get anybody to doubt their salvation. I'm trying to get you to be sure that you're saved. Because His Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. But I do know this, that in my life, God used this to chasten me when I wasn't where I was supposed to be. I got saved at the age of 20, and there was a whole bunch of stuff in my life that didn't need to be there, and there were some things that changed right away. I mean, just let them go. But there were some things that I was like, "Mm, I kind of like that. I want to hold on to that. Now, I know you'd never do something like this, right? I know. I was like, man, I don't, want to, I don't want to give that up. But every time I got distant from God, I struggled with assurance of my salvation. And I'd get on my face and get right with God, and I'd walk up from my prayer life, and man, I'd be like, okay, I know I'm a child of God now. And I mean, God was dealing with me. And God was dealing with me. God was using it to chasten me. And to show me, listen, you got to understand this. There's a difference between relationship and fellowship in the scriptures. You catching this? Relationship is based, well, your relationship with God is based on birth. You're born into the family of God. But your fellowship with God is based on conduct, meaning whether or not you're obeying or disobeying the things of God. And here's what God was saying God was saying this You're not going to have right fellowship with me, and you're not going to enjoy the things that my children enjoy, like assurance. When, you're, when fellowship with me is broken. Is everybody catching that? But you understand, when I got things right with God, and fellowship was what it's supposed I didn't walk around going, well, I just wonder if I'm a child of God. Or not. Nope, I knew. And I still know. Because that's a privilege of being one of His children. I've just had my wife, man, she struggled with this stuff for years, and praise God, she got her salvation nailed down, she called on the Lord. It wasn't no prayer she was looking to say to save her. It was the Son of God. And she meant business with God and called on the Lord and got saved. 
And what I'm saying to you this morning is this. Don't walk out of this place without knowing Christ as your Savior. You can know Christ as your Savior, but here's the thing. Once you know Christ, you can know that you're a child of God. And you can have assurance with God. That's a privilege. Listen, and it just gets gooder because we get awards too. Look at what he says. Look at the next verses. Oh, come on, y'all still here? That was just five minutes ago. I said, are you all right? All right, look, look at the next page. Look at the, the next verses here. Look at verse 17. It says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So, so again, as children of God, guess what? We're heirs with God. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means this. Everything He inherits, we get. Not trying to arrogantly say that. I'm simply saying that's a promise from the Bible. That means this. We get glorified bodies like He got one. I had a lady call me up one time. Her sister, I was getting ready to preach her funeral. And she said, Preacher, when I get to heaven, am I going to know my sister? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, how do you know that? And I said, well, they knew the Lord Jesus Christ after he rose from the dead. And I said, here's what John said. We shall see him as he is, or we shall be like him. So all I know is this, is that when we get our glorified bodies, it's going to be like his glorified body. And they knew him, and we're going to know one another. And there'll be some other things, because I, I remember too, that the disciples were all gathered together and the door was locked and then Jesus appeared in the midst of him, in the midst of them. So I guess that means we can walk through walls too. Won't that be cool? You don't even have to open the door, just stick your head in. Hey, what are y'all doing in here? Some of y'all going, oh yeah, think about that for a minute. We get glorified bodies just like he gets them. We get eternity with the Father. We get crowns for our labors. We get to rule and reign with Him for all eternity. You, and again, the thought here is this. Hey, this is what's coming ahead for the children of God. So shouldn't we be living like it right now? And lastly, look at verse number, verse number 19, because really it's what I would say the adoption promise. Look at verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And I, and I like that earnest expectation in verse number 19 because really when you get over to Ephesians, you find out this, that it's the Spirit of God that's our earnest, our down payment. That's what that word means, down payment. Our down payment until the fulfillment of the Word of God in Christ Jesus. He is our earnest until we go to Him in death or He comes for us in the rapture of the saints. And notice in verse number 22 it says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together uh, until now. And, and we understand that. Friends, things like natural disasters and, and floods and earthquakes, tsunamis, the list, listen to this, that is not climate change. No, that's the creation groaning for the Creator. 
And notice in verse 23, and, and really we could say this, it's not just limited to natural disasters because even in Romans chapter 1, man is devolving. He's not evolving. He is going in this downward spiral of immorality and, and evil. And as he does, those who speak the truth will be persecuted for the truth. And that's exactly what's happening in our day and time. And again in verse 23, he says, he says, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Listen, and again, that's not just physical pains and aches of the body, but groaning over evil and wickedness, and we're praying and thinking in ourselves, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And look at verse 20, 24 and 25, and we'll finish up. He says, For we are saved by hope. But hope that is not seen, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why did he yet hope for? But we, if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. And this is what I would say to you is the adoption promise. And I want you to catch this. He says this. He says we are saved by hope. And we understand this. This hope is Christ. And what he's saying here is this, is that that hope has been fulfilled and it's been seen. The resurrection of Christ was a witnessed event. It wasn't done in a corner, friend. Uh, even Paul said, I'm an apostle as of one born out of due time, but I saw it. So that means this, that what is meant, what I believe he's saying here is this, is that now we're saved by truth. But here's what we do hope for. Not the first coming, but the second one. Cheerfully enduring. Cheerfully. Smiling, Baptist. Cheerfully enduring. In this life as we live for Him. And you mark it down, friend. He came the first time. And He's coming again. And all I know is this. Is that if I've been adopted into His family, I want Him to find this child doing what the Father said to do. Practically sanctifying in my daily life. Folks, it's a privilege to be a child of a, of a king. But I think we better take responsibility. Let's all stand this morning.